I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good evening. You know, I don't think we can let it go past as Pastor Eric has honored and recognized so many other people what they have put into uh, this week. And sometimes it's not just a week. It's weeks that go into this kind of stuff. It's months that go in. It can be years that can go into it. So we just want to recognize Pastors uh, Eric and Carrie Lonis and for all that they've put into this. And so why don't we just show our appreciation and respect for them and what they're doing. Well, what I heard in the midst of that, and thank you for your kind words, and we love all those relationships. We're just blessed to be a part of the body, aren't we, that God just knits us all together. But I heard Connector. I heard connector, and I thought, that's, that's my desire tonight, is to connect you with the Word, to connect the Word with you, connect you with the Holy Spirit, to connect the Holy Spirit with you. And so, I don't know, are you open to a connection tonight? Are you open to something that uh, touches you, that impacts you, that imparts into you, that becomes a part of who you are? And it's a connection that should never be broken. It should never be uh, separated is something that we should maintain. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in his greatest expository writing, he wrote, he said, I'm separated to the gospel, separated to the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean he's watching this movie and then reading the Bible later. It doesn't mean that he's, he's talking behind somebody's back and then he's talking to Jesus. He said, I'm separated unto it. I'm separated to it. And I really believe, and I'm just going to share just a few things to kind of, uh, in a, as an introduction here tonight, is that uh, you know, I look at the world and I look where it's at. And isn't it amazing that uh, five years ago, our biggest challenge as Christians was the conflict or the argument or the, uh, you know, separation of church and state and, and that we can't be involved in government. How, how many years were you told you couldn't be involved in government? And now look at you. They're, they're whooping our tails. Uh, they're controlling us. They, they, were, they were lulling us to sleep. They were pandering us and putting us down and putting us down. I'm not getting political. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. We just told you who to call upon. I mean, we're, we're, we're nothing less than a revival uh, for where we are. And we're in the greatest situation to have one. But look where we are. Uh, when the state of Michigan is, is, has voted in our House of Representatives that banning Christianity as hate speech. It's going to the Senate in a couple of weeks. That's right. Christians would not be able to talk to people of immoral values, living immoral lives, without it being illegal to do that. Uh, I mean, you just turn on the news. That's all you got to do is for, for five, ten minutes, you know. And you'll hear what's going on here, there, and everywhere. Uh, California, that two senators just passed today. They presented a bill uh, that uh, uh, represented, presented a bill uh, that 12-year-olds have the right to legally separate from their families. You know, years ago, not too many years ago, they came out of the closet. Did you hear me? They came out of the closet. It wasn't a problem to us because they were hidden and they're doing their own thing in private. Then they came out of the closet and they made a deal out of it. I just wonder what could happen. If, if what has taken place of them coming out of the closet, what could happen if the church would get out of her chamber? I just wonder. Uh, and you said, you know, it's, it's all about all this week. They've been talking about uh, being outside and taking it outside. And, and we are. But is this enough? Is it going to be enough? No, you need to connect with what he's doing out here so we can get further expanded from here. Uh, I guess it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. I was traveling with my mother and we stopped in Seymour, Indiana. 
and was invited to preach there and to minister. And it was outdoors. It was in a park, in a city park, right in the crossroads of of Indiana, the Midwest there. And so uh, we're there and while I was sitting out in the outdoors and people were in their lawn chairs and a band was under the pavilion, I just looked up and the Lord said, the pavilions of America, the pavilions of America. I want that to get into your heart. The pavilions of America. And then I started to realize that almost every city, almost every city and many towns have a pavilion or a gazebo right somewhere in the middle of it. Public space. Public space. A pavilion already sent for us. A place where we can meet and gather. And anytime I've ever been in an outdoor meeting, people come from neighborhoods. They, they start hearing us like we're hearing them right now. And they get interested and they start to come and ask questions. And evangelism is much better when, when uh, just like when fish are biting, it's a much better fishing. Right? When people are asking questions, they'll, get, they'll acquire more of what they inquire of. Instead of us just trying to force feed them with something. And I just started seeing the vision of, well, what if, we just, what if we just went into all the pavilions of America? Churches, whether they have a guitar or not, whether they play a CD player, just get out there and pray and worship and, and do like Sean Foyt's doing. All the capital steps. Just getting outdoors and doing it. And then I, I received a phone call from Pastor Eric, I think a couple weeks ago. He said, would you come speak on a Wednesday night? I didn't even look at my calendar. I'm, I, and I said, I'll get back with you. But I, and I thought, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I didn't know until just a few nights ago I was outdoors. Had no clue. Had no clues. I know you think I'm weird. I don't get on Facebook, so I didn't know what was going on. Uh, when I found out, my flesh went, oh, I, I was like, oh, Pavilions of America. We did an outdoor event in Columbia just the other day. Cars stopped. People came. They walked out of apartment complexes and came down to where Pastors Nate and Holly were doing an outreach in their neighborhood. I really believe that God is calling us back out. Matter of fact, as I read the book of Acts, let alone the gospel, over 90% of the miracles in the Bible happen in the streets or in people's homes, not in churches or in synagogues. There's something outside. Even David said, oh, that they could see and experience what I'm seeing and experiencing in the tabernacle if they could see it and experience it out there. You know, we, we need to become nomadic again. Uh, we need to pick up our tents. It's really not that hard. I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how to do it. Stand up for a minute, if you don't mind. You just did it. You can sit down. Paul said we're earthly tabernacles. We're earthly tents. Our flesh is nothing but a pup tent. You don't need palaces down here. You don't need domains down here. He's building that for us in eternity. This world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And some people think we're passing just because the earth is spinning. Because we're staying right where we are. But we need to move outside into the pavilions of America. We need to get the gospel outside and to experience. Because you've heard the phrase before. If you don't use it, come on, who all knows it? Who's all heard that before? We have not used our freedom of speech, and we're losing it. 
Did you hear me? The airwaves outside of the church are much more polluted and occupied and traversed with evil, wicked, deceptive, humanistic, philosophical voices on the campuses of our universities. Texas Christian University today made a new class of how to dress drag and perform as queer. Isn't it amazing you can't call them what they say they are? They don't tolerate, they have no no toleration for the intolerance of us. Friends, we're not haters, we're lovers. And the only thing I would say to you before we go out of here, if you're not going to do it in love, stay here for a while. Sit here as long as you can until you get healed, until you get restored, until you get repaired, until you get your heart converted, until you get your mind changed, that you don't hate them, you hate sin. But you want to love them like Christ has loved you or is at least trying to love you in this season. And here's the, here's, here's the end of the story. Love doesn't fail. And God sent a son. He sent him. Jesus was sent. He said, I must work the work of him who sent me. What did Jesus do? He left the pavilions of heaven and came to the pavilions of the earth. He came and he was sent to preach the gospel, to minister. He was coming as a gift. And we need to recognize ourselves, not as the gifted, but as the gift. What the church has done is it's elevated the gift and we start thinking we're the gifted. Listen, in, in, in the, the, the ascension gifts of Jesus, what that is is when Jesus ascended on high, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Those are ascension gifts. Those are the gifts he gave at his ascension. I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit right now. But none of those are capital. They're not your identity. They're not your doctorate. Uh, they're, they're, not, they're not even your calling. They're your function. Ultimately, our calling is to Jesus. But as our function, what we are called to do is not to be the one who performs all that, but the one who equips all that. All those. I am so delighted. What does it look like? It's got, it has to accelerate. Listen, it has to accelerate. The only way maturity can accelerate is the one who wants to mature wants to mature. But to stand here and to think, I mean, just think about this. First time we ever preached, I think I ever preached with you in a church, was in a shed that was screened in, someone else said, and that, that back behind that house. Do you remember on the parkway? It had concrete floor. Remember the puddle appeared? On the first. Oh, yeah. Look where we are. Man, I got chills. All you, you get goosebumps, I get spiritual ants. You got to think different. We start, it, it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't a fourth of this. Look where you are. Look where you are. I am so proud of you guys. And to watch your dad, where's he at? To watch your dad, watch, watch them playing the drums. And you've played the drum for all these years and played them. And I know you still play them, but to watch the youth, the young ones, ones that we knew when they're in the belly, leading worship and calling the presence of God. And Aiden, if he don't sing Ain't No Grave, I'm, I'm not going home. I'm just weeping at the goodness of the Lord. You have raised up a generation. You've equipped them in the ministry. 
And that's the call of the functioning offices of the church, is to equip them, is to get them connected to their giftings, to their callings. And, and really, when we elevate the gifted, we really diminish the possibilities. Because if they're given an office, not that they can't function in all five of those aspects, but they're there to equip, they're one, you get all five of them. You get apostolic ministry. Pastor Frankie Powell comes and starts ministering to you. We call him Apostle Frankie. He comes and ministers an apostolic impartation in your life. Well, what do you mean? Does that mean I become an apostle? No, it means you can be sent too. Last Sunday, I was so delighted, a little challenged at one thought, but then delighted to count around. When I was in Texas and to count around, I thought, wow, there's nine different churches that somebody from the well is ministering in this morning in different states and different parts of the country. That's what we should be doing, sending people out, establishing work, being sent to Columbia to go plant apostolic work. doesn't mean you're an apostle. It doesn't mean you're apostle. To, to, to prophesy to people. You say, I don't know how to prophesy to people. If you can exhort them, comfort them, and encourage them, then you can prophesy. Yes. You say, what are you saying? The end result of prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort. Build them up. Encourage them along. Comfort them. That's what it is. That's bottom line. That's what it says in the scriptures. But you know why we don't prophesy? Because we're not faithful at little things. He won't let us steward over big things. We want to prophesy to the principal. We want to prophesy to the president. We want to prophesy to the, are you with me? But if we got more faithful, encouraging, and edifying, and encouraging, and building each other up, and comforting one another, then he'd go, oh, I can trust them. Because there's no reward in that. There's no return. There's no elevation in the midst of that. And, and so if we, we can prophesy. Do we want to mature in it? Are we willing to be sent? I read a scripture and said, Lord, can I really preach from that this, tonight? And he walked out and he saw Matthew, the tax collector, and he said, follow me. I can't wait until I get at the place that I can read that scripture and just walk out and see if anybody follows. That's literally what he preached. So he called him out. Do you want to be sent? If you're not willing to follow, you'll never be willing to be sent. The Christ Listen to me. We've got to come out of our chambers. We've got to come out of our denominations. Listen, I, I, all right, so I can talk about the world's doing? I, I heard what said about state line, you know, made a mention there. I mean, the Methodist church. Would you have ever thought? Would you have ever thought? They're doing it. Why are we? Why are we not doing it? Why are we so quiet? And you say, well, I might get thrown in jail. That would be an honor. An absolute honor. Why? Because Jesus said that would happen. And you could sit in jail. I'm in the perfect will of God. This is so cool. Three meals a day. I'm doing good. We don't want to suffer. But the reality is they're suffering more than we are. Even if we're in jail and they stay homosexual, they're suffering more than we are because we're not going to hell, but they are. Evangelism. Evangelism. It's listed three times in the scripture. But it's laced, the fabrics of it are laced all the way through the scriptures. God is not willing that anyone would perish. He didn't say, but he hopes that everybody would confess. 
He said he's not willing that any would perish, but that they would repent. This is our problem. We've taught them to be satisfied and content where they are, and all they got to do is make a confession, but he said, no, they got to repent. Matter of fact, John the Baptist, a little troubled, he said, who warned you to come out here? You're a brood of vipers. He, he said, you need to have fruit of repentance. Our repentance ought to bear fruit out of our lives. And you get the picture, go down pastoring, shepherding, caring. I mean, they just shepherded their neighborhood the other day. Just went out and shepherded their neighborhood. They didn't even have to have a church because it's not about the church being the place. It's about us being the church. And they shepherd their neighborhood. And then to teach. Teach who? Well, this is where the church has failed miserably. Teach our children. Teach our children. Train them up in the way they should go. When they grow old, they would not depart from it. Guys, it's very, it's very sobering. It's very severe and serious. The times we live in. Gone are the days we're living in the times. And we need to have a mindset of that. Jesus said, the hour has come. He didn't say the season's now. He said the hour has, we need to learn to live for the hour, not the season. If you were to read Ecclesiastes, you know, and we're talking about a season, there's a season for everything. I think it's 14 times, 12 or 14 times, he said there's a time for this and a time for that. We can't just be cased in the, in the wide margins of a season of creation and his return. And we're waffling, not knowing the sons of Issachar understood the times they're living in. Listen, to understand means you'll stand under that and you'll stand in that and you'll live for that. We're not far from the return of Jesus Christ. We're not distant from, from his return. Or maybe I should say it this way. We're not far from this earth being dissolved with fire. See, some people needed to hear about heaven, but some people need to hear about hell. Just like some people, it's easier to have faith to do something than it is not to do something. And some people, it's easier to have faith not to do something than it is to do something. So he's not just coming back. And it's not just show you ticket. This place is going to be dissolved. The end. The end times. But he chose us to live in them. For such a time as this. For such a time as this. We're living in it. So, so it, it's, I think that's why the warfare is so raging out there. That's why it's so, uh, so corrupt out there. Because they know who we are. Listen, there were not times such as, you look, some of the great Bible characters and, and some of you preachers can take this and run with them and preach on it, but Abraham, and look at what Sodom and Gomorrah was when God was raising up Abraham. Noah, look what was going on in the world when God raised up Noah. Look what's going on in the world when Moses came. Look what was going on in the world. Look what's going on in the world and you're here. You're here. We're here. This is our time. This is who we are. We've got to get out of our minds and off our duffs. And get up and do the stuff. This is the hour. I, I say this and I say it to myself and I, I say it to others. Somebody's salvation is on the end of your lips. How should they believe unless someone preaches? And if we're not heralding good news to those who are bombarded with negative and disruptive and lying news, 
How will they believe? Do you realize there's a very good possibility that God, that God created you for a specific person to be saved, for somebody to be healed, for somebody to be delivered? For... He did. For his glory, for his honor. He has need of you. It's like the donkey in the cold. He's got need of the old and the young. He's going to do what he's done before, and he's going to do new things that have never been written on before. He said, you go lose them. He said, you go lose them. Before you can connect something, you got to lose something. He said, because the Lord has need of them. Maybe you've heard and somebody lulled you to sleep in a church because they didn't want to do anything and they didn't want to offend you and they didn't want to, I don't know what they didn't want to do. But maybe somebody's told you before, the Lord doesn't need you. Oh, I know the Lord can do everything without us, but he did something with us. He created us for his glory. So there's an aspect of you that he saw a need. He saw a purpose. He gave you a voice. He gave you a heart. He gave you hands. He gave you finances. He gave you a vehicle. He gave Whatever it is, he gave you that to use it, not to store it, not to keep it to yourself. He gave you faith to share it, to use it also. In the scriptures, I'd like to first turn to Luke chapter 5 and just breathe on what I felt like the Lord was breathing on this afternoon. This is not where I'm going to preach from. I'm going to point, to, point something out here. And pick it up in, in chapter 12 of, uh, verse 12 of chapter 5. And it happened. Oh, if, you've ever, if you've ever been anywhere long enough with me, you know he's getting ready to stop. And it happened. We need to ask ourselves, what should be happening in our lives as believers? Is there anything happening? I was sitting here, I was like, oh man, that'd be so cool to hear some testimonies and to hear what God is saying. And Pastor, see, there's things happening. Something ought to be happening in our life. Throughout the Bible, it says, and it happened, and it happened, and it happened. What's going to happen tonight? Only what you're expecting. You need to have a level of expectation tonight. It's like the man at the gate, beautiful, when they came and said he was expecting something. He looked and said, I'm going to get something out of these guys. What are you going to get tonight? What is your expectation? What are you going to receive? What are you going to encounter? So it happened. Things happened wherever Jesus was. When he was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. So Jesus was in the city. He was in a certain city. He's everything we're talking about. He was in a region. He was in a location. And they saw that he was. They can't see us through our stained glass windows. There's even denominations that, that black out their windows. Because they have this incredible faith. They don't want anybody to see it. I, w- I would want people peeking in my windows. I would like to be the Apostle Paul. I wish we had windows in our sanctuary and somebody was on the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth floor and they fell dead and I get a chance to raise them from the dead. You, you, you need to understand they saw Jesus. Well, they, they can't see Jesus and our, and our blinds down and our fences up. 
and our air conditioner on. And we roll into our church and they got a, a drive under that somebody valets our car or gets us over to place and we get into the church. They're not seeing Jesus if they're not seeing us. Well, I'm going to preach from this part. And he fell on his face and implored him. He said, Lord, if you're willing, he's not doubting. He said, if you're willing, it's up to you. You can cleanse me. He had faith that he could, not that, that he possibly could, or that maybe he would. He had faith that he could. But notice what it says about him. He implored Jesus. We have got to get out of exploring Jesus and start imploring him. No, you need to hear me. He begged earnestly. We have too much dignity, too much pride, uh, too much self-worth. We wouldn't want our wife to see us crying and lamenting over the need of Jesus in our life or the need of our broken heart or the abuse we went through and we hold it in and we puff it up and we hold it in. And so we try to do everything we can to hide it. We decorate our flesh every Sunday morning and then Monday morning for the business world and we cover ourselves up and we grow uh, all these things on our bodies and we paint all these things on our body. We do everything to try to hide all the misery inside of us. It's called pride. But he said, if you would humble yourself, he would release grace into your life. And we try to live in a marital relationship and we're hiding things kind of like the, this is where it used to be some years ago. The sailor would hide a $50 bill in his wallet where his wife couldn't see it just in case he needed that money was with the boys. And we knew that was wrong then. Now we're hiding things in our heart. We're hiding things in our computers. We're hiding things in, in relationships. We're hiding things at work. And we have all these things hidden. It's all going to be made known. It's all going to be made known. We need to implore Jesus. Beg him earnestly, desirously. Listen to me. If they can come out of their closets and be as bold and as brass as they are, why can't we come out of our chambers? We need to seek Jesus like we've never sought Jesus before. When was the last time, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you fell on your face before Jesus? I was in a prayer meeting years ago and we're in a concrete patio plaza area. Five or six of us from the community were going to pray together and, and I was talking to all the people and there's a gentleman over here standing next to me and he was of a shorter stature there but he's retired military. He's probably in his 70s. And we bowed our heads to pray and he said, Oh God, I prostrate myself before you right now. I had to look. I wanted to see that, and he didn't do it. Isn't it amazing what we say, but we don't do? I said, isn't it amazing what we say? I bend my knees. I come. We don't ever bend them. Are we all talk and no action? Is there that possibility? We go to church, but we're not being the church. Threw himself on his face. Implored him. I want to invite somebody tonight because it, it really burdened my heart and grieved my heart to a degree that only three or four people came forward that needed the church to pray for something.
But I've got a good feeling if you and I went down and got us a Big Mac without the sauce and, and an order of fries and you and I sat down and drank a Coca-Cola, I'd find out you've got some problems. You've got some issues. But here's the problem. You think you can work yourself out of them. I got news for you. You worked yourself into it. But we weren't going to implore him. We didn't want to step out. I've said this for years. When our desperation factor exceeds our embarrassment factor, then and not until then will we be a prime candidate for a move of God. You read the Bible. Try to read it as it says it. They came out of the crowd. They were doing this. They were doing that. They screamed out. They cried out. They're blind. They couldn't find them. And they followed them into a room. I'm sure they bumped into a few folks. They came out. They implored him. But we're exploring him. We're going to go see what kind of children's ministry it has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the worship there is a little loud. Yeah, I've got these ears. Well, then why don't you ask us to anoint them with oil and we'll heal them? Because we want our choices. We want our choices. You know what one in our choices is? Our free will. We have a free will. But that's what you lay down when you get saved. Is your free will. You, you, you surrender over it. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. And listen, we are going to, our life is going to be ordered and it's going to be recognized by and searched over by and tested by and tried by how we reflect to Jesus. And how we line up with the word of God. He said, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus reached out a hand. He touched him. He said, I am willing be cleansed. Somebody needs to take that verse right now and, and, and write it on your palm of your hand or, or sear it into your eyes and, and let it hit inside of your heart. You need to know something tonight. He is willing to cleanse you. Yeah. Willing to cleanse you. I, I have to stay away from that passage. It goes on to say that, that in that moment, all, all the leprosy, he was full of leprosy. He was full of it. And all the leprosy came out of him. He was cleansed and what was in him came out. And then it moves over and it said Jesus was in this room and in this room was some, some Pharisees and, and some Sadducees or some religious people in there. And it said they were sitting there and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And I thought, wait a minute. Cleansed him who needed healing from leprosy, but healed them? That was getting out of him what was in him. This is trying to get them out of what they're in. They're in religion. They don't think they need Jesus. They don't think they need to be healed. They don't think there's anything wrong with them. They think that they they can do this in their own strength, in their own power. Religion is seductive. When we get at the point of, of no return, we get to the point of total brokenness, we get to the point that he's all we have, he's the only answer we have, that's when we throw ourselves to him, we get radically saved, and about two months to two years later, we're trying to do it in our own strength again. Well, if I give this much and I pray that off and I do this and do that, there's it, it, like a relation we want to. It's called your flesh. It's called your flesh. Jesus said, if anybody's going to come after, he must deny himself. Must deny himself. Not choose what he wants and have everything he wants and have to get all the, the credit for what he does. 
Matter of fact, I would say to you, I don't know who this is for. I know the pastor's heart wanting to honor, and that's respectful. But if you didn't get mentioned and nobody noticed it, you're in a really sweet place with Jesus right now because he can reward you. And he's seeing where your heart really is. Do you want to be heard in the ears of man or be known in the, in the, in the realms of heaven for what you did? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. You're going to have to die to a few things. I say this often. I, I've recircled some areas in my own life. But if what you fast from makes you better, why don't you stay away from it? I don't know, but it seems like most fasts today in the church are, are like items. They're like pleasures. That's not a fast. It's necessities that we fast from. Not pleasures. Pleasures are choices. So tonight, does he need to cleanse you? Or does he need to heal you? Is there something in you? Or are you in something? It's a good question to ask. It's a good place to be. In Matthew, the eighth chapter, there's another leper cleanse. There's a centurion soldier who has a daughter who's ill and sick. There's a woman with an issue of blood. There's people that have need of, of healing in their life and deliverance in their life. You find them also over in, in uh, uh, to, um, Luke chapter 9. There's needs that are present in these people's lives. There's needs that are present, excuse me, Luke chapter 8. There's needs that are present in your life tonight. I want to start in the 40th verse of Luke chapter 8. I want to connect you to the word of God. The word of God lives, it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide between your spirit and your soul, your emotions and, and, and your, your, your kingdom person, your, your spiritual being. It can get between your bone and your marrow. While the word of God is being preached, you could be healed of cancer. The word of God is powerful, will not return to him void. I think that's an important one to understand. We think the word of God will not return to him void. In other words, we stop right there because it says it will accomplish what it will do, but it will not return to him void. Is it, we say, well, because it wasn't accomplished, it might return to him void. No, no. That word will go back over and say, he denied it. She rejected it. They didn't accept it. I've seen it hundreds of times on the streets. Hundreds of times. People having the gracious gospel of Jesus Christ presented to them, and they, they reject it. So in this story, in the 40th verse, so it was. You know, just the concept of so it was makes my spirit say, so shall it be. I'm a firm believer that these days are those days. That the scripture can be performed. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he will be tomorrow. The only reason I wish it would not have said and will be tomorrow. Because way too many people are still waiting for tomorrow. I've got news for you friends. You will never live in tomorrow. Doesn't take a rocket scientist. Because once you get there it's today. 
And you can't keep putting off your faith that someday. We need to have a same-day faith that is happening now. Listen, you may not look like the one you watch on YouTube. You may not look like the one that you watch on, 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 on podcasts and listen to and all those great, phenomenal preachers, which are a hundred times better than probably all of us put together in here, but maybe one of you. But the reality is, you're it. He created you. He made you. He said he's going to take the simple things of this world and confound the wise. Simple things. He said he'll take servants and make them friends. So it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him. For they were all waiting for him. That sounds like a church service, doesn't it? Uh, no, no disrespect. We'll just say the well, wherever. Everybody's in their church, milling around, milling around. And as the worship started, oh, I feel his presence. And they've been waiting for him to come there. They're all gathered like, oh, welcome back. Where, where, where did you go? And behold, there came a man named Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him. He's imploring him. He's imploring him. Nothing wrong be a beggar with heaven. Because I guarantee you, if you match your bank account, no matter who you are in here, with the bank account of heaven, you're about a pauper. Yeah. So let's live like one. And he begged him, come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age. She was dying. The only daughter he has, she's only 12 years old. She only has days, if not minutes or hours to live. He's down to his only. I, I think about Nicodemus. He, he said, he, he came to him in the middle of the night and he, he got into the room and he found Jesus. He said, he, he said, we know. Listen to what he said. He said, we know. That tells me a lot. Jesus wasn't really mean to the Pharisees. They knew. They said, we know you're from God. For no one only, no one can do what you do unless, no exceptions, it comes from God. There's something about an only, unless, no exception, Christianity. Here is one God. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one body. There is one spirit. There's own, that's all we have. You can stop looking for it somewhere else. It's only Jesus. It's only God who can do what we need done. We're, we're getting to the plate that there's no fine-tuned and, and fine-groomed preacher that's going to make a change. There's no prophecy of who's going to be the president that's going to change America. And she was dying. Can I tell you there's another only? There's only the church. There's only one body. And she's dying. She's dying on the vine. She's not producing holiness. She's not producing righteousness. She's not producing faith. Oh, children, just find out. Your, no, no, no. You should be producing. You should have. I don't know all the children here, but you should have those, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the uh, agents and, and the parents that, that, that ask me. They're raising up godly children. Yeah. That's true. Godly children. I was sitting there watching. I was like, man, what, where did he, he, he? 
They had them in church, and 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 all they knew there was their church. Adam and Eve didn't say, give me another garden. She's dying, my friends. The church is dying on the vine. And she needs to be reconnected. You see, that's part of the whole concept of Jesus. Is that Jesus came to regraft us into the people of God. When we get grafted back into the people of God, we get everything that he's done to give us the faith of everything he can do. Split the Red Sea. But the, 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 what's that? No, what have you? A boat. The ark. Every miraculous thing that happened, all the nature of God that has been ripped off of courthouse walls, we get it. Because we're reconnected to God. We need to get reconnected to God. We have this mindset that there's a dangling hook that we ask Jesus into our heart, then we're good and we're dangling. And one day, he'll pull us up. That's our mindset. It, it really is. Jesus said, no, 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 no. He said, you can be one with the Father like I'm one with the Father. You can have the same relationship that I have with them. You can have with them also. You can be the person they find in the middle of the night and say, we know you're from God because no one except unless they can't do what you're doing unless it's God. We need a church that they say this is God. Now this is Pentecostal. Now this is charismatic. Now this is apostolic. Now this is prophetic. No, we, don't, we need a church that's the house of the living God which is a household of faith and everybody's in faith. We have churches that show up on Sunday mornings and half the people there do not have the same faith as a person that is there, but they're the same membership. It's called paralysis, friends. It's called cancer. It's caused disease. We need the church healed, resurrected, revived, so we're a household of faith. There's marriages, maybe even sitting in here right now. She has faith that you don't have, but the reality is you have faith also. Or you have it and she isn't living in it. Need to be reconnected. But as he went, didn't say as he stayed, said as he went, the movement draws the crowd. I mean, look at this here. Uh, there's a very good possibility that if we were at the church tonight, uh, out on, the, on 231, there wouldn't be this many people here. There's something about the movement. There's something about the Sunday, the Monday, the Tuesday, the move of God. What's happening has drawn people here. They want to be here as he went. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him, thronged him. I live for that day that people are once again pressing in to the word of God, to the miracles of God, to the house of God, to the presence of God, to the glory of God, to the power of God. They're thronging him. Thronging him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. We have a 12-year-old daughter who's now suffering in the only days and moments of her life. And we have a, a woman with an issue of 12 years of a issue of, of blood. 
she's dying also. It doesn't matter where you are. If you're bleeding out blood that's supposed to be circulating in you, there's death taking place. You're losing life. Perhaps you're in here for the last 12 years or year and a half, you've been losing at life. Something is sucking life out of you. Uh, you, you're, you're getting drained, you're, you're depleted, you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're all these kind of things. And I don't care what medicines they put in you, you still are that. Yeah. I'm not against medicine. They can help you to sustain you, but you still need healing. Who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She came from behind. I said, she came from behind. I said, turn your ball caps around and put your little girl softball and boy baseball shout on. It's time for a rally. It's time for the church to come from behind. It's time for the church to say, you might have passed me up, but I've got one more reach. I've got one more prayer. I've got one more praise. I've got one more I'm going to reach in and lay hold of. The only one that can heal me because I found out nobody else could, but he's the only one and I'm only going to touch him. It didn't say she went to the disciples said, brother, could you get me in touch with so-and-so? And could you get me connected here? And can I? No, no, no. She reached into the one and only. And she got a hold of the hymn of him. And that I'm telling you, a hymn of heaven started to play through her. And it stopped. Yeah. You, you need to understand something. If something can start, it can stop. All the bleeding of America can stop. All the bleeding of the world can stop. God can heal his church. He can heal a nation. He can heal your family. I'm telling you, one touch, one touch of him. You see, friends, she wasn't exploring. She was, well, I want, let me see. Oh, the drums are too loud. Oh, the preacher's too loud and he's going too long. No, 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 this isn't the right. I'll go choose. That's exploring. She implored. She implored. She reached in. She was probably belly dust digging, crawling up there, getting to where she could. There's dust everywhere, all those feet walking. If you've ever been to Israel, and if you haven't, you can go with Gretchen and I in March. But if you've ever been to Israel, it's not smooth ground. She crawled up in there. She touched him. The bleeding stopped. I don't know how long it took, but all I can tell you that I can read the scripture in like four seconds. Give it 12. One second for every year. Boom, stopped. Is there the possibility that if you got more desperate and you crawled through the chairs because you didn't have the strength to get out of it, you had the, whatever it was, and you wanted to get to where Jesus was with the presence of God, and you touched him, that everything could stop? All the loss of life, Jesus said, who touched me? And Jesus said, who touched me? Somebody touched me. Who, who was it? I don't think he's calling her out. I think he's calling her up. She's still down there, my friends. She's in the utter amazement right now. She, she's, she's, her head's got to be spinning going, the, the pain's not there. The leak's not there. The, I, she, I mean, she's got to be. She's got to be caught up in herself. And he said, "Who touched me?" And why did he say that? Because there's people around him. He, he didn't just say somebody touched me. He said, "Who touched me?" 
What he's trying to indicate is preach a message that took him three words that might take me three hours. Who touched me? What Jesus is trying to say, who's going to touch me? If you would touch me, you would get what she got. You might not have 12 years of issue of blood, and maybe you've learned to live with your scrape, your scratch, your poke, your sneeze. But I'm telling you, only I can stop it. Only I can heal it. Only I can save you. Only I. So he's putting out a message saying, boys, somebody touched me. And the, the story goes on that, that, that uh, when Jesus is somebody, he said, I perceive power go out of me. Yeah. Uh, one translation talks about virtue coming out of it and glory coming out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a revival of glory. You get that, Jess? It's a revival of glory. That's what all this is leading to. What do you mean about revival of glory? Oh, it's not going to be a revival of the prophetic. It's not going to be a revival of this. It's not going to be a revival of, of Steve Hill. It's not going to be a revival of Charles Spurgeon. A revival of glory. This time, he gets the glory. Every revival is known about the man who preached it instead of the one who sent it. A revival of glory. I want a revival and my head is stuck in the grass behind the pole and I don't care who's singing. I don't care. I just want his presence. He said, I felt glory go out of me. Is there the possibility if we would start to touch Jesus, implore Jesus, press into Jesus, come from behind. Listen, we're behind right now, friends. No, you need to hear me. We're behind. I told you earlier, they, they lulled us to sleep. You can't talk about Jesus in, in state. You can't talk about politics in here. And they got us over here. Where, uh, you, and, and arguing against each other. Oh, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll just side note, testimony. Can I testify? Side note. Hey, Greg, yes, Lord. I want you to do something called governmental perspectives. Sure, when? Wednesday nights. Okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to invite in people that are coming to you that want to get into office. You see, all that is built off of a prophetic word Gretchen and I received, that you guys will be helpful, assist people getting into office that need to get into office. Okay, we'll do that. I never went to anybody. Every one of them came to me and said, can I sit in your office and ask you, what does our city need? Can I, can I talk to you about and hear your heart and hear your vision? And they all came and they sat in there. And I said, yeah, sure. I said, but you can do one other thing. You can come on Wednesday night and sit on a couch and I will interview you. We will worship God. We'll pray. Uh, we'll, I'll share some scripture and then I'll interview you and you tell me about your faith and then you tell me and we'll start asking you questions. All seven of them got put into office. We're seven for seven. You know who gets the glory for that? He does. There was a prophecy. We just became the vessels. There was a word. We obeyed that. There's people who chose to run. We didn't choose the running. And they got in there. They're in office. Oh, to catch some flack? Sure it did. But even the one who I caught flat with, being that I wouldn't argue back with him and debate with him, when he hung the phone up on me, called back under conviction, calls back and he, and he says, I'm sorry. I was trying to set you up to argue with me. And to say something to where I could prove you was wrong. He said, I repent for everything I said and everything I did. And then I'm sitting in my office. 
And a guy brings in a, an Avon box, an old Avon. Remember Avon coming little like uh, cars and stuff like that? How many of y'all remember that? It's all right. I'm old enough to remember it. And it had a, a design of the Capitol building on it. And, and set it down on my desk. And a little card said, may his fragrance carry you there. Presence carry you there. I opened it up after service. Inside there is an Avon bottle like it's amber with a little gold. It's, it's, it's the Capitol building. Capitol building. And it said, may his presence take you there. The next morning, I get a call. Hey, can you take a very important phone call this afternoon? Sure. All right, be ready for it. Okay. Middle afternoon. Hey, are you available for a phone call? I said, I am. 4, 4.15 in the afternoon, the senator who just got elected, Katie Britt, called me up and said, Greg, I'd like to invite you to the prayer meeting in the Capitol building. It has not been in the Capitol building for many years, but they put it back in the Capitol building. Would you be my plus one guest to the Capitol building? Friends, I'm telling you, God moves. God moves. I'm just along for the ride. I'm just crazy enough to implore him. Humble enough to to beg. I'm not afraid of stains on my knees. As he went, things happened. He said, who touched me? I saw, I felt power. The woman realized she was not um, sick anymore. Back over in, in Matthew there, it said she only had that opportunity to touch him. Only. Follow with me. He said, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. <laughs> Can it really be that simple? Stop exploring everything else. It really can. He said, your faith has made you well. Could you imagine if we activated our faith? Can you imagine if we used our faith? Can you imagine if we really put our faith in Jesus and not in everything about Jesus? He said, your faith has made you well. He didn't say, I made you well. No, he said, he, he didn't do anything. She drew on it. He's just moving. When there's a move of God, draw upon it. While he was still speaking, someone came to the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter, remember her, 12 years old, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Can I say to you, he's more than a teacher. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, when you're hearing what you're hearing, and you're seeking and employing Jesus, he's hearing what you're hearing. You got to get this. You need to get into the proximity of Jesus. You need to do anything and everything you can to get as close as possible to Jesus and don't let go. That girl was so close, she could hear him say, who touched me? Jairus, notice, he came begging. A girl shows up on the scene. There's a hustle and a bustle. He's still so close to Jesus that Jesus could hear what was being said to him. How close can you get to Jesus? How near can we be to Jesus? Could you imagine that if Jesus, well, could you imagine if we came under threats? 
And they start threatening the church and they, and they start saying, you're going to go to prison for this and we're going to crucify you for this. We're going to do all those things. But what did the church do? They prayed. And he heard. They said, consider our threats. Stretch out your hands and do signs and wonders and miracles. I'll see the hand of Jesus and it's withdrawn, but it's not pulled back because it's pulled back to be. He's waiting for a church that will cry a cry that heaven can hear the threats and the challenges and the trials that we're up against that he can release his hand stronger than a lightning bolt and empower his church. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's synagogue of the house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered. Now listen, listen. You need to understand. This page is marked in my Bible. That's, that's all that's going on up here. I didn't say, MK, hey girl, sing that song. Uh, that's true. That's true. Now after, after the fourth song, you got 14 minutes to get there. And I'm 1402. When you see it on the screen there, you sing that song. I prayed and he answered. I cried and he answered. He heard me. Yeah. Pastor gets up and exhorts on it. Where do we land right here in our message? If you can't see the orchestration of God, the composer of heaven over your life. Listen to what he's saying. He heard it. He answered him saying, all you need is one word. All you need is a word from heaven and everything's going to be all right. Watch this. He said, do not be afraid. Wait a second. Wait a second. That guy just told me don't trouble you. You're telling me not to be afraid. Listen to what Jesus says, and don't worry about the other voices. Don't confer with flesh and blood. He said, do not be afraid. Only believe. Oh, oh, oh. listen. We can, we can no longer do si do with fear and faith. Do you hear me? When you pray, when your children leave the house, oh, Lord God, please be with them. Don't let, Lord, thank you for being with them. Don't pray out of fear. Pray out of faith. Pray it like you believe it, not like you're hoping that maybe he could do it if possibly he had time to do it that day or they weren't acting. Pray it by faith. Only believe. I must tell of the late, late, late Smith Wigglesworth. He was having a visitor by the name of Lester Summerall. Oh, oh, let me tell you, we, we got some weird things happening around our church. Grandparents and great-grandparents of great uh, heroes in the faith are showing up in Scottsboro for some odd reason. Because I think greater than is getting ready to happen. But Lester Summerall knocked on the door and he had been reading the paper. He's in London, England. He went to, I can't remember the number, and he knocked on the door and he put the paper folded under his arm and Wigglesworth answered the door and, and, and Wigglesworth's first thing, he said, what's it under your arm? He said, it's a newspaper. He said, you can come in, but it can't. Only the word of God was in his house. Only the word of God. What's in your heart? What have we let into this tent? Into this tabernacle? Maybe that's why he wants us in pavilions for a while. To say, guys, there needs to be a, there needs to be a flow in here. There needs to be some movement in here. We, we got to get the stench. We got to get the staunchiness out of it. Stagnation has got to be removed. The voice has to be echoed out, not echoed within. What's in your heart? 
What have you allowed into it? He said, do not be afraid. When he came to the house, he said, she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John. Let me just, just stop there for, for a side note here. Because there's some people who, who want the touch of God, need the touch of God in their life, and want to stay with that. But there's some people who want to be a part of the touch. Yeah. No, you didn't hear me. <laughs> I, I will say this. I want to be a part of the touch. Not just he touched me, but he can touch through me. He didn't take everybody with him. Could you imagine the offense Jesus would cause in the church? When he says, nope, it said didn't permit him. He said, no, you you can't come. We're so afraid to say no. Do you hear what I said? We're afraid to say no. That means we're fearful. David Wilkerson, anybody ever heard of David Wilkerson? Oh, they get together before the church service and all the worship team and everybody in there. And they said, uh, Brother Wilkerson, can we lay hands on you, pray before you? He said, only if you've been with Jesus so long today. Only if your hands are clean, your heart's clean. He said, I don't want just anybody touching me. Only. No exceptions. I know. We're hoping some president will come in and change it for us. It's not going to happen, friends. This is a church issue. Don't point your finger at the White House until you pointed it at the church house. Let me say this to you. Anything that has happened in the world, it happened in the church first. That goes all the way back to history. The world was fine until Adam and Eve, the people of God, messed it up. You know, I truly believe this, if I can just say this. That sometimes we can't pray what needs to be prayed because we're afraid it'll be answered in us. What do you mean by that? I'm very delighted you asked. We can't pray, expose this in somebody's life because we're afraid of the exposure that might come to our life. That's why we're so dilapidated, discouraged, afraid. You can't pray out of fear. Out of fear, you will not pray some things. Because if you pray, Lord, expose lying, deception, manipulation, you're afraid that it might get exposed in your life. So now you have no authority, but it has all authority over you. Well, how do I get out of that? Confess. Repent. It's gone. That's why they got the whole me too thing going on. Because they know that our Christianity takes care of things in the past. But they're changing the laws. Doesn't matter how long ago you did it, you're still guilty of it. Doesn't matter what the blood did. Doesn't matter what faith did. And we're so afraid that we're going to find out what we did in the past because we've hidden it all. We're operating out of fear. So that's control of us. All right, I'll finish this thing up. He said, he permitted no one to go except, you want to be in the exception, Peter, James, and John. And the mother of the girl, the father and the mother. 
Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. Sometimes we think what's okay to do still isn't okay to do. This is a God time. It's a God moment. He said, do not weep. I, I, again, let me, just, let me just say here, because you might think, this guy's a little, little, little brass here, a little, little harsh here. Listen, friends, I'm on my anniversary trip. Things are good. I'm as happy as can be. This is what he's saying to us. He said, well, no, he wouldn't. I'm trying to tell you. There are some people in here that he said, you can't go in. You're not at the place that you would be helpful to me. You need to be healed yourself. You need to be raised from the dead yourself. Well, it should be okay to weep. He said, do not weep. She is not dead. How can he say that? He can say it because he'd already given a word. She'll be well. We have learned how to stand in agreement with the word and not toss to and fro, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him knowing that she was dead. He got discouraged, disappointed, angry, and said, well, fine, do it yourself. But he put them all outside. He put them all outside. Why? Because <laughs> only Jesus. I don't care how anointed you are. You're not appointed to be who he is. Only Jesus. You see, the story is for our faith. Because if Peter did it and John did it and they did it, and they went on and did their stuff. But if we don't understand only Jesus, we won't have the proper faith. It'll be misaligned. It'll be confused. He made them all go outside. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that might have, might have, might have disturbed somebody. He took her by the hand and called, saying, little girl, arise. Little girl, arise. Y'all, she's dead. She's sleeping. He's taken her from dead, though she was reported, to sleep. And she's going to be well. She's just sleeping. Nothing to cry about. And he says, little girl, arise. He's restoring her back to who she was when she died. Bringing her back to the fullness of who she is. He says, little girl, arise. And then her spirit returned. And she arose immediately. This is what I want to say. I just, I want to preach all night. Little church, arise. Little church, arise. I asked him four days ago, Lord, what do you want to do? He said, I want to give him my spirit. I want to give them my spirit. I want to touch them with my spirit. You could use any, any uh, 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 language you want, filled, baptized. It doesn't matter. Don't get into the denominational arguments about it. Listen what happened. Her spirit came back to her. He spoke to her. He held her in the hand, and he spoke to her in her spirit. The spirit of God comes out of the spirit of the Son of God and back into this daughter that is made in the very image of God. And the church needs the spirit of God back in the church. Some of us need the Spirit of God back in our lives. 
Some of us need a breath of God, a touch of God, the enhancement of God, the, the endowment of God, the gift of God, the love of God, the power of God. Jesus is walking down the road and he said, I, I felt power go out of me. There was something more powerful about her touching him than him touching her, but the same results. He knew in the power of the creative word of God. He knew the authority in the word of God. He said, arise, and she rises up. But let me just point this out. Does it necessarily, to get the result, matter who touches who? Just as long as there's contact, connection, connection. Oh, there's people I know of, and there's people I know. You see, sometimes it's going to require you to touch him. Sometimes it will require him to touch you. It's about the connection. Sometimes he will touch you. Sometimes it will be you touching him. But the end result is the power is turned on. The power is released. The problem stops. Death is over. Life begins. You have one who is dead. And she lives. You have one who is dying. And yet she lives. You have one who is dead. And she arises. Don't tell me. It's too late. It was late enough for the girl coming behind. But it's really late for the ones who have already died. Could he possibly call you by name tonight? Could he possibly specifically speak to you and say, get up, get up, get up out of that grave? Ultimately, ultimately, I speak to you. But ultimately, I speak to the church. Arise, little church. Come to life. Listen to me. I don't care how young you are. It doesn't matter how healthy and how vigorous you are or how older and more elderly you've become. He said, the sons and daughters shall prophesy. The young men will have visions, and the old men will dream dreams. He talks about fathers and mothers. He talks about children. He talks about three generations of blessings. He's speaking to us right now. We're the trichotomy of God. We're the aspect of every generation. The one that has flesh, young, the one that has soul, middle-aged, and one that has spirit, they've matured. They're all three in here right now. But he needs to raise the church up. He needs to breathe on the church. So this is what I would close with you. I have a sign that hangs in my study. Every day that I'm home, I both kneel and sit underneath it. Sometimes I lay underneath it. I don't always look at it. I don't always think of it. But then there's moments I look at it. And it's somewhat of a Norman Rockwell. Maybe I should maybe even know who the artist is. I don't know. But it's a, it's a character sketch. It's got a little tent. Kind of a canvas tent. 
He's got a wagon, a dog sitting out there, a little farmhouse over the side, some brush over to the side. And it has a sign that's hanging out in front of it made out of the same material as the tent. And there's a man in the pulpit and he's preaching. He's got a suit on. There's another man with his hands hallelujah in the back. There's maybe 20, 30 people sitting in there. They all look maybe a little bit Tennessee or Alabama, a little poverty, uh, rural kind of people. And the sign out in front, it said, Green Brothers Revival. We offer salvation to the lost and healing to the sick. I don't think you could get much more bold and confident than that. Don't leave me hanging, brother. So tonight, I came here to offer you what he's already provided for you. Salvation for the lost and healing for the sick. Let me say something about healing. Poor quality of life. Insufficient, incomplete, interrupted, troubled. I had it burning in my heart to read to you from Galatians chapter 5. And it gives a description of the works of the flesh, drunkenness, immorality. And it says, those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You can argue with me until you're blue in the face. But you can't argue with that word. And I could sit here and you say, well, expound on that so you don't, so I really know what you, if you have to, if you don't know, you ought to just get up here and get saved. You say, but I've already been saved. Well, get saved again. Because if you need to be delivered and rescued from something that would take you to hell, you need to be saved from it. If you're practicing, you see, if I went on to expound on it, I would do more harm than good. I think the exponents of the gospel have done more harm than the opponents. We've preached it down to where the goats can still eat like goats. We've taken the word of God and cut it out of the spirit and laid it down so they can sow their oats and just get it when they want and feel good about it, but they have no nutrients in it. The word of God's not speaking to them. It's not changing their life. Listen, you cannot continue to have blessings out of one side of your mouth and curses out of the other. You can't continue to eat at the table of devils and worship at the altars of God. You just cannot. And if you and I don't get saved... There's, there, there, there's no possibility we're going to help them get saved. Because only, only at the degree that the grace of God has worked in your life will it be able to work through your life. So I offer salvation. If there's something you need to get saved from, something you need to be rescued from, something you're troubled with, something you're bound with, something you're tied up in, something that's got a control on you, tonight's your night. Maybe you've never met Jesus. Wonderful. We want you to meet Jesus tonight, to get saved, to be born again. And listen to me. Let me talk to you Christians. Dine at the vine. If you're not reading the word, you don't desire the sincere milk of the word of God, you're malnourished. You're drying up. 
If you're not spending time in the river and in the, in the, in the wells of God, the wellsprings of his salvation and, and experiencing the, 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 the thirst of God and being uh, filled with God, you're drying up. You're, 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 you're void. You need it. If the Bible belt was going to be good enough, the truth would still be the truth. Do you know what the belt, the, the belt is the truth? Look at truth today. So I offer that to you, and I offer healing. Doesn't really matter what it is. And don't play the guess game. Well, I'll see if he calls it out. If you know what it is, you're responsible for it. But now listen. Oh, I've been to so many of those places. This, isn't, this is maybe my second or third rodeo. People sit there, and you can tell there's something wrong, and they're waiting. Well, if he calls it out, if he calls it out. If you know what it is, why harbor with it? Bring it up and throw it on the altar. Well, it might get loose and ugly and weird and stuff. We can handle it. Zach will help me. We'll take that devil, bull devil by the horns and sling him out in the woods somewhere. We'll put him in a pig. I know some people are like, okay, you just raised a huge theological question. Why did Jesus put him in a pig? Jews don't eat pork. That was almost too simple, wasn't it? Once you stand to your feet, MK or Trinity, whoever's going to play something during this time. You must be born again. You must be born again. This is the first altar call. Two-part altar call. If you are not right with God, your heart is not right with God. You're practicing living in sin. want to because you know you need to you need to come from behind you're not living where you need to be living with Jesus you need to come from behind I invite you to the altar tonight I ask you to step out and come to the altar at least 10 if you're not right with Jesus things aren't right in your heart with him you need to do business with Jesus
us to reconcile. He wants you to come and reason with Him.
You have to listen to them. And sometimes maybe you get involved sometimes. But you need to come out from among them and be separate. They watch things you shouldn't watch. They do things you shouldn't do. You have friends, associates that you're intertwined with and it's hindering your spiritual walk. He's given you an invitation to come out from among them. You will never be the ones that he invites out of or from until he first sees you come out from among that. Could not tell you how many times I've seen this young man when nobody else was around he'd be up in that altar throwing his arms up dancing whether it's a youth event adult event doesn't matter and for me to see him up here tonight you know why Jesus called him out up there because he made decisions to come out from among them not perfect but do you have anyone or anything to come out from among this will be the last part of this altar call if that's you he's saying come out from among them it's going to be a lot easier to make that decision tonight than it will when you get back around them anybody else Father, I thank you for this sacred moment. I thank you for this holy moment. I thank you for this glorious moment. Lord, may each person in this altar tonight have a visual of reaching out and touching your hem. Only Jesus We've tried time and time again, but only Jesus. And this time, it'll happen. We put to death what has been killing us. We put off what has been shackling us. We cast down what has burdened us. We loose what has deceived us. Lord, I ask tonight that you'd respond to this repentance. He picked me up and he turned me around. Place our feet on solid ground. Direct our steps and order our steps. We do follow you and come out from among that which was and will no longer be separated sanctified committed and devoted to the gospel to the word and to the spirit spirit of the living God come fresh upon us tonight Holy Spirit fill us Spirit of the living God breathe through us 
lead us and guide us. altar, I just want you to lift your hands for a moment. I mean like lift them. If you believe this and can mean this, say this. I surrender. Arrest me with your love and with your truth. Set me free. Loose me into the fullness created me to be. My life belongs to you. I will not be who I was, and I will be who you've called me to be. Jesus, forgive me. Heal me. Fill me and release me. Teach me. Train me. Send me and use me. I want to go in the same place as you go. Awaken me. Revive me. Give me a hunger for your word and a thirst for your spirit. I surrender all to you. Say that again. I surrender all Say it one more time. I surrender all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask you to stand right where you are. The phrase came to me. It's not even a phrase, it's a scripture. me just to come by and just touch you. It was all about the touch tonight. All about the touch. And I just want you to receive. And I want you to be very sensitive to try to sense the touch of God in your life and not deny it. I'll never forget the night when he touched me. And to be honest with you, no hand touched me. When I finally got some cognizance about me. I looked at the man of God where he was. He said, this man will never be the same again. That is my burning desire for you, is that you'll never be the same again. Because he touched you. Let him brand you. Let him seal you. So when I come to you, I'm just going to lay hands on you, just touch you. I may, I may not stop and say something. It doesn't matter. Just receive. Just receive. So what if I feel like I, I can't stand up? Then don't stand up. You can be laid out in the spirit and just let him minister to you. Not promoting that's what needs to happen, but why resist it if it can't happen? start getting yourself. Some of you already starting to receive. I'm telling you, there's a touch of heaven coming in here tonight. Open up the heavens, Lord. 
Jesus. speak 